This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin. Welcome back, everybody. This is Derek Kirby, and this is the Dallas Prospect. We are back with an unprecedented two games to zero lead on the Clippers. Any, it's been a minute since you've been on here. I got to know, did you see this coming? Uh, okay, well, I definitely thought it was going to be tough. I'm already calling you a liar if you say anything other than no. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be tough for us to get wins, but I didn't think it was impossible. Um, when we won game one, I was like, okay, I think we can actually take game two. Yeah. There is a way. Because of the fact that Luka is dominating in such a way that he is, and Tim Hardaway is definitely playing like he ended the season, so he hasn't, he hasn't dropped off. And in game one, KP really didn't have the greatest game. And I was like, okay, so we, we have room for improvement. There's places where we can improve. Right. Likely places that we can improve. Um, we can win game two. And game two is very much the same way. Still can't stop Luka no matter what you guys do. He's like, you guys are throwing the kitchen sink at him. He's like, ain't no, ain't no thing. Carving these guys up, cooking them. Right. right? Yeah. And then we had, KP had a, I think KP had a good game last uh, game two. He did. It was a little quiet, but it was a good game. It was, it was, it was what, 20 points? 20 points on eight of 12 shooting, three steals, and uh, two blocks. So he filled up the stat sheet. It's just yeah. that Luca and Hardaway were louder in how they were going about it. Exactly. That's, that's why it right? flew under the radar. But the fact is, we won the game, mm-hmm. but we were atrocious from the line. Yeah, free throws we were god-awful. Yeah, we can't. They can't. If I'm the Clippers, I can't count on the Mavericks shooting that terrible from the line. No. Right? Now we can say maybe they'll come back down to earth. But the fact is, a lot of those shots are open to wide-open shots. Yeah. So you're basically counting, if you're the Clippers – you're counting on the Mavericks to miss open shots, mm-hmm. right? The way we're playing right now, the, how unstoppable Luka is right now, and I really can't conceive, like, what, I, what I've been doing these last couple of days is I'm trying to think from the perspective of the Clippers. Mm-hmm. What coverages can I run? What defensive sets can I, can I use to, stri- to try to stop Luka the best I can? And the only thing I can think of is – Stop switching. Yeah. Kawhi straight up on Luka and stop switching. But Kawhi's going to be dead tired by the end of the game. And I talked about that a little bit in the, the article I mentioned earlier that I wrote today. <laughs> exactly. Great minds think alike. Yeah. I'm talking to my brother, who's a Clippers fan. That's uh, unfortunate. I think he's more of a Kawhi guy, right? Yeah. And he's like, I, I, think, I think Kawhi should just stick on Luka the whole time. And I was like, if I'm Luka and y'all do that, I am dancing around screens all game. You're fighting over multiple screens before I even decide to go to the basket and yeah. still get. So you can you can do whatever. Like, there's literally, I don't think there's really nothing the Clippers can do other than hope and pray that we don't shoot fifty percent from the three. 
I mean, for me coming into the coming into the series, I I did expect Dallas to win game 1. I thought the Clippers obviously tanking those last couple of games, I thought there would be a little bit of disengage, a little bit of rust for them and I knew Dallas would come out highly motivated not just because they knew LA tanked to get them, but because of last year's playoffs. I knew Dallas was likely to take game 1. So when they won by 10, I was you know, I was I was stoked, but at the same time I was like, okay, that's the one I thought they would get. I actually mm-hmm. thought the Clippers were going to come back in game two and even up the series. I did. And everything I expected them to do, they largely did. Like, they came out and they were aggressive in the first quarter. Like, they were attacking the basket. Paul George didn't wait for the second half to get going. Paul mm-hmm. George was immediate and aggressive getting to the basket. Kawhi Leonard was insane in the first mm-hmm. half altogether. But, you know, that first quarter he was a machine for the Clippers Yep. And it was just it was setting this tone where you're like, okay, they're they're dialed in. They're attacking the basket. They're scoring in the paint at will. These are their adjustments. They're gonna try and knock us back on our heels and match us. We have their attention. And I was afraid that was going to be something that as the game wore on, they started to gain separation because of that. But they never did. Kawhi went off for 30 in the first half. Paul George had 15 at half. They had like 40, almost 40 points in the paint at mm-hmm. half like they were murdering us in that regard they were shooting over i think 60 percent at the half mm-hmm. automatic everything 20 free throws uh they shot 20 in the game but they got to the line i think like 11 attempts and they made 10 of 11 and that like every concerted effort that they could make they mm-hmm. were making and yet it was a 73 71 lead at half dallas was right there like, yeah with them and that that was one of those things where kind of looking at that it was like oh okay, like, you could make an argument that we just took realistic, not like not like their last punch, but, like, mm-hmm. that was, like, a full-strength punch, if you will. Like, if, you're, if someone's giving you their best shot, they're hitting you as squarely and, hardly, and hard as they can, and you basically are just, like, still standing right there, like, <laughs> kind of, like, wiping the blood from your nose, like, what's up? We going to do this? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we, are, we, are we done here? You got more? <laughs> like, I'm still standing, and I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like that that's how Dallas responded and that is not how last year's team responded in that kind of uh that kind of uh contention and everything that kind of adversity. So when Dallas came in to the third quarter then I was like all right let's see what they do. Can Dallas hang around because either LA is going to start pulling away or Dallas is going to hang around and maybe they have to weather a little bit more of a storm. No. The defense locked down for the Mavericks, and they mm-hmm. completely flipped the complexion of that game. We're now, yep. s- what, eight quarters through this series, and the Mavericks, I think, have outscored them in seven of eight. And they, I, think, they, I think that's true, yep. Yeah, I think there was the second quarter yesterday, I think they tied. Um, I, off the top of my head, I think it was a tie in that regard. And they outscored the Clippers outscored the Mavericks in the fourth quarter by four, uh, 30 to 26. So other than that, Dallas has, in just about every conceivable way, been the better team they've won four to five games this year they won both games on the road in la in the playoffs this Mm -hmm. year they took la's best punch and still beat them by 10 once and then what six this time like they have taken everything la can throw at them la shot yeah we know game one la did not shoot the ball well they shot much more in line with their usual standards last game 39 percent from three for the season they're 41 percent as a team uh, mm-hmm. They shot over 54% from the field. They out-rebounded Dallas. The points in the paint killed Dallas. And yet they lost. Kawhi went nuts, 
George has been good, and they're yep. down 0-2. Like, that, that, is, that is crazy to consider when you try and evaluate where these teams are and where their trajectories look because Dallas looks like a, a runaway almost locomotive at this point. Yeah. And if L.A. doesn't do something really quick, Dallas is just going to run their ass over in five well, games pro- or something. That's the thing, though. There's, like, I can't really – and I, I'm a limited mind. I'm not a basketball savant genius or editor or anything like that. I just can't really think of anything the Clippers can do. Yeah. So you can't double-team Luka. We've, re- we, we've, seen that. we've seen that happen. They try to double-team Luka. What happened? Done. Almost – on, like clocking in, Kristaps gets the dunk. Yep. Right? Pass the ball in the middle of the key. Dorian makes a great pass, makes a great read, finds Tim Hardaway open or finds a cutting Kristaps. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing you can do because Luca is probably one of the only three people in this league where you can't, like, you legitimately cannot double team. Right. Right? He's probably, uh, uh, LeBron, of course, is the other. And Jokic is probably the third. Mm-hmm. Like, like you cannot double team those guys because they will pick you apart. We saw that against the Lakers. Um, I forgot. I, I think it could have been the second time or the third time we played the Lakers, where it was just we we Luka. had a back to back against them. And in the first game, they did have success with trapping Dallas and Luca. Uh-huh. And then the very next game, Dallas had completely figured it out and picked it apart. And the same thing yeah. to your point is what happened in this uh, in this series in exactly. game one. Luca had one point in the fourth quarter. But it didn't matter because Dallas extended its lead from six to ten because yep. he just, as you said, kept hitting it, playing four on three, hitting the open guy, and it was either leading to a dunk at the rim or a kick out to a wide open three that Dorian yep. or Tim Hardaway or whoever just was stepping into and knocking down. It's it makes it difficult because for LA, you, you said it earlier, their best bet at this point, they can't keep switching. They can't keep doing the switch everything mm-hmm. because Luca learned from last year's series. Zubats, whenever they switched on to him last year, uh, Zubats on Luka, he had some success in bothering Luka. Luka is actively hunting Zubats this year, Mm -hmm. and he is murdering him. (laughs) And check this out, check this out, check this out. We're about to go back back to Dallas Uh with near full capacity. Like, tickets are basically already sold out. Yeah. If if you want to get, it's almost like two to $300 to get nosebleed seats at the Mm -hmm. AAC. Is going to be insane, insane tomorrow. And we all know what Luke, Luke is the type of dude he feeds off the crowd. We all mm-hmm. remember the 11 the 11 0 run personally against, against the Rockets. Yeah. And he closed him out by himself. That Luca might come, that might come back tomorrow. Bro, it's going to be insane. It's, I can't wait. It's, it's definitely possible. But with the, with the Clippers, with what they've thrown at Luca, they haven't made good adjustments like they really haven't made any adjustments from game one to game two they haven't done anything really in how they've changed it up you can't put pat bev on them i don't know what ty yeah. lu is thinking doing that luca's walking to the basket with ty lu or, uh, effing small yeah exactly he's walking <laughs> to the basket with patrick beverly draped over him getting the foul and literally flexing on him like dude you're too small like why are you yeah, on me wait. why are you here <laughs> shoe fly like leave me alone he's getting anything he wants at will three to four times a game it's not even like it's just mm-hmm. once then they're like, all right, fine. We'll go with the antagonist of last year. We'll put Marcus Morris on him. He's doing step back threes in his eye. He's taking him to the cup. He doesn't care that Morris bludgeoned him last year in the playoffs. <laughs> He's getting and ones going to the basket and looking at him and getting in his face saying, you can't guard me. Guard me. Like, good <laughs> God. Was that, who we dro- was that who he drove by to get the dunk? Uh, yes, no, he dunked on Marcus Morris. No, was, he dunked was, on Morris. He, yeah, he dunked on Morris. He drove, he drove past Paul George, right? Yes, I believe so. Who was... 
who's quote unquote like one of the best three or we call it two way three and guys D. Yeah, two way players. Yeah, and he just like go past that guy. Oh, Marcus Morris, baby food. Mm-hmm. On, looks at him almost like almost like uh, a LeBron looked at Steph when he blocked his shot. He was just like, this is too easy. Yeah. <laughs> It, it kind of was an inverse of uh, Kawhi posterizing Maxi in game one, and you had the three Clippers mm-hmm. yelling. Because if you watch that play back, and I, th- I think uh, Nick Angstad was who pointed it out on Twitter, and that was the first time I noticed it. Look at what Maxi does after Luca posterizes Marcus Morris. He goes to, uh, Maxi goes to Marcus Morris, and he yells in his face for the Luka dunk, just like Morris <laughs> and Paul George yelled when he got dunked on. I love that energy. I love that, like, little pettiness to it, because that, Maxi's not a guy you would expect that from, but it's kind nah, of like, absolutely you know, Maxi can say, and he has the right mentality, like, dude, it's the playoffs. I'm not going to, I'm always going to contest that. That's the right mentality, but I like yep. also seeing that competitive fire of, like, eh, mother effer, as soon as I get a chance to throw anything back in his face, and of course game two maxi was insane in the first quarter too 12 points five of five from the field so he was doing his own damage as well and at that point but incredible stuff there so they can't guard him with pat bev they can't guard him with marcus morris they're predominantly putting paul george on him and paul george can't slow him down then they'll throw Kawhi on him from time to time ty lu had said he was going to put uh Kawhi a lot more on luca before game two and then like it was it was like the same amount of time he played him on him and I don't know if that was like a last-minute change of thought or what, but if the Clippers are going to bother Luka in any way, they either have to do, like, keep banking on what they tried in the fourth quarter of Game 1 where they just keep immediately trapping him as he crosses half-court and hopes that somehow Dallas can't beat them playing four-on-three, mm-hmm. or they're going to have to stop their automatic switch-everything mentality and yeah. try to keep Kawhi just glued to him in general and say, look... It almost, it almost looks like none of them want to guard Luka. Like... They're not even getting contact on those screens. And they're just like, oh, switch. Yeah. (laughs) Like, your turn. Just like, really, dude? Like, literally, our our guy slipped. He didn't even scream you. You could have just walked right over, but y'all switched anyway. It's hilarious, dude. It's in rotations of Luca running Pat Bev off the floor, Luca running Zubats off the floor. All right, here's Marcus Morris. He's running him off the floor. Like, (laughs) LA's just like, oh, shit. All right, take him out. Put him in. Like, what, what can we do here? What can we throw at it? Their bet, the bet, the best bet was Terrence Mann, or not the best bet, but a good, a good wrinkle that they threw was Terrence Mann. Mm-hmm. That didn't last too much longer. Yeah, and, and I think, and I think that's a small dosage kind of option anyway. Yeah. I don't think you could do that all game by any means. It's almost like a bigger, uh, a bigger Pat Bev, but less intense. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then they tried throwing, they tried throwing Kawhi on him, and then, and then Luca did the most beautiful uh, turnaround. Mid range. What do we What do we say a couple pods ago, dude? Uh, we were talking about how Luca, um, I guess, gained the mid range. And if he were to ever do that, he's basically an unguardable. Yeah, unguardable. Yeah, we we've been talking about that dating back to last year. Really, you you brought that up, and we yeah. talked about it in the playoffs. I've how... always been I've always been the proponent of the mid range. Yeah, I, I hate the fact that it's gone away from. Well, it's definitely um, worked its way back into vogue with some of these bigger stars. Mm-hmm. basically bringing it back in, whether it's Luca, of course, Kawhi. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's, I think, trajectory moving upward again. Because, yeah, that's one of the major holes in Luca's game from last year, where he wasn't great in that capacity, and the Clippers made him take more of those than he wanted, and he shot mm-hmm. worse last year in the playoffs in the mid-range than he did even in the regular season in that regard. So the fact that he's been able to carry it over this year and implement it, now you can't, like, you have to guard him 
anywhere basically half court and in. And even if he's not hitting on one of those areas, his ability to pass and drive, uh, to finish around the rim, to finish through contact, to pull up, all of that makes him almost unguardable. Like, you almost can't do anything yeah. with him. You just have to hope that, like, your mentality, if you're the Clippers, is probably like, all right, we just have to try and make it as difficult on him as we can and then just hope mm-hmm. the role players cool off. And here's the thing. Yeah. The, the Mavericks are shooting 50% from three through two games. They're mm-hmm. outscoring the Clippers comfortably in that regard, even though the Clippers, like I said, were better in game two shooting the three. Dallas has been unreal. They were like 54% from three or 53% last game, and they were 47% in game one. They are scorching hot right now, and a lot of that's Tim Hardaway Jr. Game one, Dorian Finney-Smith was right there with him, but game two, Dorian only had three points. So Mm. while I agree, like, yeah, you got to hope that they cool off, Hardaway's on a month-long burner at this point. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith, he did cool off, and the fact that he went from 18 points to three didn't even really impact the box score in terms of how it <laughs> played out. Like, oh, really, you have enough guys who are dialed in and who are making plays at this point that it seems that you have enough that you can make an assortment of guys, right? Even if Dorian's not there, you're mm-hmm. going to have, like, Josh Richardson stepped up and had nine big yep. points, I thought, late in that game. Not just hitting open threes, but slashing to the basket and making some yep. plays. Obviously, icing it at the end. Mavericks are 13 of 24 at the line, but the last four all come from him because Hardaway can't buy a free throw. Luka can't buy a free throw. It could have yeah. been offered a layup, and they would have missed it at that point, it seemed like. <laughs> and just comes in and off the bench. And that you, you talk about a guy who, as hot as, like, Dorian Finney-Smith and Hardaway Jr. came into the postseason. Richardson Mm -hmm. was the opposite. Richardson had lost his spot in the rotation. He wasn't happy about it. He wasn't playing especially well and for an extended period at that. And he's just kind of like picked himself back up, re-motivated a little bit in that regard. And you see he's making a viable push to get more minutes at this point. I don't think Hardaway's doing too good. You're not going to shake up the lineup, but you might still get more Richardson than you were getting, you know, towards the end of the season. And, that that just shows, like with the Mavericks, they can cobble together any number of these role players. Maxi giving mm-hmm. you 13 points as well in that last game. Um, he's not a big scoring guy for the Mavericks. So you have so many things you can throw together that if you're L.A., you're looking at it and thinking, like, what what is, it, what is the formula here? How do we slow them down? Because even in quarters where Luka gets one point, 0 of 5 mm-hmm. from the field, they extended their lead on us in game one. Mm-hmm. Luca did more in game two and you know helped put it away with a couple drives to the basket with Beverly as one of the guys <laughs> on. That was another thing where you're like, you, we're two minutes left in the game and it's a very close game and you're still doing this. Like, yeah. what are you doing? They have they have Kawhi they have Kawhi on Kristaps and Kristaps says, "I'm just gonna stand in the corner, take yeah. away your yeah. your best defender." Yeah. <laughs> And, or you leave me open. Right. And, you know, I, I know that, like, with the with the Mavericks, we, we talk about, like, well, the defense wasn't good because the Clippers still shot over 50% from the field last game and almost 40% from three. I, I understand that, but at the same time, they are a top-10 offense and defense this year. The Clippers are. Yep. They are a historic three-point shooting team in terms of, you know, percentage of makes. And they're a, they're, they're a very good team. Like, you're not going to be able to stop everything – they do, but when the Mavericks have had stretches where they've actually gone toe-to-toe, like that third quarter, that kind of swung momentum, right? Where Kawhi went nutso in the first two quarters and then dropped off considerably in the third quarter. The Clippers went from like a 40-point second quarter to like an 18-point third quarter, like drastically reeled that in, and it just leveled things out. Like you're seeing stretches of the defense, I guess is what I'm saying. You can't bank yep. 
on you're not going to hold the Clippers under 100. You're not. Now, does that mean you want to give up 120 and bank on your chances to win every game? No. But you you can do it in stretches where you control things and get the timely stops you need, especially if your offense is working like this. It lightens the load that you're having to carry. Yeah, it does. Well, uh, let me ask, as we're, we're probably about to wrap up here soon because I know you got to take off, what's your, what's your thoughts for game three? I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, the Clippers are desperate. This is a must-win. Like, mm-hmm. they, they have no choice, but they're also coming into an unprecedented environment in this regard. Like, they haven't played. They had 6,000 fans in attendance for each of those games in L.A. How many of those were cardboard? <laughs> exactly. How, how many real Clipper fans are there is the first question. Um, yeah, so they, they're coming into a house with nearly triple the audience the, yeah. that they've been dealing with all season. And they just got up to 6,000 pretty recently, too, because California is even more strenuous on, uh, on its reopening kind of stuff. Yep. So they're coming into a packed house for the first time all year, down 0-2, no momentum at all. Not only that, Dallas outright believes they can win. Like, you talk about all these times, like, anytime a team goes into a playoff series, they'll tell you, like, oh, we think we can win. Mm-hmm. Sure, of course, an athlete's always going to say that. But it's different when, if you take one of two, you're like, yeah, you know, maybe. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. If we keep doing the right things, yeah, we, we can do it. But you go up 0-2 and you do it in the way they did, like I said, taking LA's best shots along the way, you're like, dude, this team can't effing hang with us. <laughs> we've beaten them four out of five. We've taken everything they've thrown at us. We're not going to say that they'll never take a game from us. Mm-hmm. But at this point, yeah, this series is one, Dallas. If they is, take, yeah, if they take one game in Dallas, it's 3-1. Yeah, going back to California. And Dallas is a better road team than they are a home team anyway. <laughs> exactly. Dallas has never lost a playoff game in the Staples Center. Regardless uh, of the opponent, bro. That is very true, bro. <laughs> that is very true. Oh, the way we played two. <laughs> <laughs> two series. Two we series. Two, two, we, two, we swept the Lakers in 2011. We, 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 have, uh, we have swept L.A., at LA, so that's actually pretty awesome. That's a good point, dude. I never, I didn't even think of it like that. That's yeah. Cool. So, yeah. it's oh. the the series is Dallas's. Day with that step toy. There you go. The series is Dallas's to lose, and I think that at this point, I think when it came into the series, I think the motivation and the frustration of last year paired mm-hmm. a lot with the the feeling of a slight that the click that the Clippers tanked those two games to get Dallas. It was like. I already hated you, and now you're going to disrespect me again by saying mm-hmm. I'm the easy out. Like, that pisses me off. I think it was initial spite, like, all right, I'm going to show you. Now I think it's like, all right, you know what? No. Now now I'm going to end your whole damn season because now, yeah. <laughs> now I'm convinced that I'm the better team because four out of five games and everything else, like, one time you beat us all year, and last year with the depleted roster, you had to t- you had to take us to six when we mm-hmm. were basically strung together with paper clips and chewing gum. Exactly. So yeah. it, it's, inc- it's incredible to me that the Clippers apparently wanted Dallas. Like, I would have rather taken the Lakers if I was them, frankly. Like, I, I know that the Lakers are still a tough team and can be troublesome, but mm-hmm. I would have rather taken them because Dallas has that extra chip on their shoulder because of last year and the bad blood. Mm-hmm. I would not have welcomed that again. At, and, at least I'd rather have face the blazers I mean, yeah yeah for sure at the very least yeah yeah um do you think they downgraded 
majorly the Clippers did from uh, Doc Rivers. Not that I think Rivers is an amazing coach, but I think he's a good coach. I, I think that they made a not a moving on wasn't wrong. I don't like their choice. I don't think Ty Lue is a great coach, and I think he has done borderline nothing in this series I to think, make yeah. adjustments. I think Ty Lue's very overrated. Um, his one championship, he had one of the greatest players of all time um, helping him out. I do think the kind of talent you have around you can, dic- can dictate um, just like you're basically your, your floor, so you don't have to coach that much. Like if I had the dream team, I, I probably could have led the dream team to a, a gold medal. Like mm-hmm. this um, so the fact that his only championship came with LeBron, as soon as LeBron James left, that team went to the tank, and you didn't see really – anything of because he's coaching like the year I'll give you an example the year uh Carlisle when we had OJ Mayo and Dirk for almost like half the season mm-hmm. we and Collison. Collison and Mike James who was yep. closing games for us that was pissing me off we still ended up being a 500 team even though that team right. was like everyone on that squad basically is out the league except for JJ. No, everyone on that team is pretty much gone. Yeah. So, it wasn't a good team, but because of Carlisle, we were still able to make it 500. We've shown, um, you know, give give Carlisle a little bit. Um, what was it? The 14? Uh, the, the 14 Mavs when we went, when we took the Spurs to Game 7? Yeah. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, there was, that was a, a Spurs' toughest series. They took, they took down the Heat easier than they took down the Mavericks that year. Yep. Right. So, I'm not seeing that kind of push with, with uh, any of the Tyrone Lue's teams, ex- except for when we had LeBron. Right now, we, Doc, before Kawhi and before Paul George came, he took the Golden State Warriors to six with basically, it was who, Patrick Beverly, yeah, Williams. Uh, I think they probably still had Tobias Harris. I'm not quite sure, um, but still wasn't that. You know, really that right team, but you're able to see what a coach can do when you don't have talent. I'm not seeing that with Tyler. I think it's he's probably smart, but I still think he's a little overrated. He's a good coach, but overrated. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I haven't seen anything he's done in this series to inspire confidence for Clipper fans. That's why they're in disarray, already calling for him to be fired. Another interesting thing, didn't the Clippers give like a ton of money to uh, Luke Kennard and yeah, have not played him? Million, $64 million to Luke Kennard, $64 million to uh, Marquise Morris. Uh, one has gotten two DMPs. Uh, the other one has made like one three-pointer in two games. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Did you, hear, did you hear their comments after the game? Like Paul George... Uh, him saying they weren't at all concerned and that the pressure was actually on the Mavericks and things like that. Yeah, uh, That made no sense to me whatsoever. I, I think, think, I mean, Tyler, like, what do you expect them to say, though? Do you expect them know, to say... I, but here, here's the thing. This is a reasoning. Like, you can, you can give me that we're not concerned. Uh-huh. Nonsense. Uh-huh. If you know, everyone and their mom knows that they're concerned. But he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, the role players came in here and they had no pressure. They're playing on the road. Really, dude? Everyone knows, role, like, role players don't necessarily travel in playoff settings. Like they are, your role players show up at home. At home, they don't necessarily show up. It's your stars that you have to carry them on on the road. But so for the fact that they showed up like that at your house, no, I don't think I don't think uh, this go be the flip flop of that at our place, especially with three times the the fans weren't. Tim Hardaway, oh my god, dude. 
if he continue, I think he can continue. Tim probably, yeah. Yeah. Won't, probably won't get Maxi. Probably won't get Dorian Finney-Smith. But I think Tim Hardaway's going to keep up. Um, yeah, Hardaway in this series is averaging twenty-four and a half points. He's made eleven threes. He is mm. shooting 64.7% from three. So I said He's earlier, still. it's going to have to cool off as a team. You're not going to shoot 50% for the series as a team. Yeah. But he is in a month-long burner, and yeah. I think it is reasonable to think he keeps some kind of approximation of this for, I, I mean, I don't know. At some point, obviously, something like that has to wear off. But I feel mm. like he's just getting hotter and hotter, and at some point, we're going to hit a, a peak, <laughs> and then we'll mm-hmm. have to worry about if there's a, if there's a drop-off in there. But yeah. I think if he's going to keep getting the looks he's getting, there's no reason to think it's going to drop off that much. Like, Yeah, 40% it, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's going to be really interesting uh, to, to see how Game 3 goes because it is absolutely Dallas's series to lose at this point. It's yeah. a long, I'm, not, I'm not saying like, all right, let's start thinking about round two. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> you, you have to close the deal. I mean, yeah. the Clippers know that better than anyone, obviously, blowing 3-1 last year. And now they've That's lost true. five straight playoff games, so they haven't recovered from it as much as they'd like to say they have. Nope. But you can absolutely break their spirit, I think, if you get them in Game 3. Game 3, yeah. And there's, there's something to it where the way this team is playing and gelling at this moment, I don't like calling back too much to the championship team. And I'm not trying to say, like, oh, pencil it in. Like, no, I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we've seen, like, in the case of that team, how you get hot late in the year. I know that mm-hmm. team is actually sputtering a little bit, but how you're, you're healthy and you're going, and then you overcome some adversity. And then by the time mm-hmm. they hit that game two in L.A. in 2011, and they took the 2-0 lead in that case... Like at that point, it's like a, a new gear switched for the yeah. for the eventual title team, and I think we're flirting with that again because there's like a renewed confidence where, like I said, it, it's kind of shifted from like we have a chip on our shoulder and we want to you know give you hell basically to like no we it, it's it's different because now we're saying you're not in our league like yeah. it's that kind of vibe now where. If they actually can handle business in Game 3, they're going to absolute... Like, if they win Game 3, it's a five-game series, I think, for Dallas. Yeah. If, if LA I, I, can steal at least Game 3, then we'll see. It still has a chance to go six. If, if, if the Clippers were to take one game, it would probably be Game 3. If mm-hmm. they lose Game 3, shit. I think we're looking, we're looking at uh, a sweep. Because at that point, they're, just, they're, not, they're not mentally strong. So if they had to lose, yeah. this would be like, okay, guys, we need to turn it on. And if they're at that point where, hey, guys, we need to turn it on, and then still lose, then it's just like... Ugh. Right. Yeah, it, it, you've thrown your best punch, and I think they, they know it. Like, not saying it's like the last punch. You can keep throwing punches and eventually turn something around. But mm-hmm. it, it's going to be interesting. I, I see someone asking in the, in the comments about if I expect the Clippers to try and attempt to uh, injure the Mavericks. I don't think it's the same attitude as a Doc Rivers team. I think that was kind of a characteristic of a Doc Rivers team that you had. Now, the Clippers are still absolutely, especially when you got Marcus Morris, they absolutely still have those physical, gritty, shall we say, muck-it-up traits where they will be a little dirty and a little aggressive. I, yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't think it will be anything like Game 4 of the Lakers in, in 2011 no. where guys are being taken out. No, you're not going to have Bynum taken out, uh, in yeah, this JJ case, Brand. Brunson or something get, and go into the basket. Yeah. You're not going to have something like that in all likelihood. But I do expect that 
it, Reggie Jackson kind of intimated, this is my last point because I do have to wrap this up. Reggie yeah. Jackson kind of intimated uh, after the game that they have to find a way to get into Luca's head. They have to. He, he kind of <laughs> mixed his metaphors. He said, like, we have to rattle the head of the snake. Well, the rattle is on the snake's tail, not its not its head. But, you know, I couldn't be an <laughs> asshole because it's a Clippers <laughs> player that said it. But we, We've confused them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, if your head's up your ass, I guess it's all the same. But it's, uh, it's absolutely a situation where I get what he's saying because – Luca yeah. can be a little emotional. We, we've yeah. seen that. Obviously, <laughs> him being one tech short of a suspension this year is proof mm-hmm. of that enough. So if you can get in his head, you can throw him off his game, certainly for a short term, and sometimes it carries on a little bit. I expect them to get more physical with him. And you do see, even though he hasn't been called for a technical yet in the series, you do see Luca is a little frustrated that Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard and Paul George can get these tic-tac foul calls. They can get away with, you know, how many times does Kawhi Leonard kind of check out an arm as he's, you know, yeah, up or you something. almost every time. Never called. Luca's not getting any of those calls. And I think no, frustration don't. is kind of setting in where it's like, dude, I've been a stud in this league for three years now. Look what I'm <laughs> doing. At some point, that superstar treatment should cut back my way. I yeah. get that. But I think they will be more physical. I don't think it'll be outright dirty where it's Morris stepping on Luca's injured ankle last year or bludgeoning him over the head. I don't think it's going to be that bad. But I do think they are going to do whatever they can to try and throw Luca out of his game because if you take him back, if you take him out of his game a little bit, you do effectively stiffen uh, what the, the Mavericks offense. offense can do. You, you essentially take all of the gas out of the tank and give yourself a chance to take control of the game, at least for a short term while Luca recomposes. Yep. That is very true, man. But I know you have to, we have to wrap up. You have to do some dad things. Uh, I'm excited about game three. Uh, I'm going to be hype. I'm going to have the TV loud. Yep. Um, so you're all the, the fans at the AAC. Um, man, I'm just, I'm just super hype right now. It is a good time to be, Mass fans' vibes are indeed immaculate. Yep. Uh, I mean, let's let's get this done. At least. Also, guys, don't forget to check out uh, the new article on the DallasProspect.com. I just published it about an hour ago. Talked about some of the stuff we touched on here, but it, it's more about like why we should have seen this 2-0 series lead for Dallas coming. And I even acknowledge, like, I didn't think it was going to happen, but looking at it now, I should have seen it coming. Like, mm-hmm. I think. I, you look at that, like the 14 out of the 15 experts picking the Clippers, despite it being a 4-5 matchup and only five games separating the two teams. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like the amount of people saying Clippers overwhelmingly should have been some kind of red flag there. But even still, check out the article. Uh, like the video. Subscribe to the Dallas Prospect. We will be back on here as as much as we're able to. Obviously, after Game 3 and all that, we'll do post-game shows and follow-up probably shows the days after to either preview or wrap up the previous game. So check it out. Until next time, any hit the tagline. And remember, every legend was once a prospect. There we go. Peace. This is the Dallas Prospect Live with DDP. Every legend was once a prospect. The Dallas Prospect is funded by viewers like you through Patreon and PayPal. To support the show, visit patreon.com forward slash the Dallas Prospect or become a member by clicking the join button. Now let the show begin.